travel around and I'll elucidate what goes on outside when it gets late. Long about midnight, the ghosts and banshees they get together for their nightly jamboree. There's things with horns and saucer eyes, some with fangs about this side. Some are fat and some are thin. And some don't even wear their skin. Oh, I'm telling you, brother, it's a frightful sight to see what goes on Halloween night. <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of History Spelunkers, the show where I take a deep dive into a niche subject from history and explain it to you, listener, and some friends. I, my name is Kelvin. I use he, him pronouns, and these are my guests today. Hey, guys. I'm Ryan, he, him pronouns. I'm Josh, also as well. All right. Welcome both of you to the show. Today is our spooky Halloween episode. Ooh. <laughs> uh, what is y'all's favorite like Halloween story, monster? What's your favorite monster, I guess? Hmm. Um, I have to think about that. I mean, like, I don't have a prevailing, like, monster, but the story, I guess, is just Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas? Okay, okay. So, yeah, you got basically everything in that one. Yeah, that one's <laughs> pop out for monster-wise. <laughs> uh, so, uh, who's your favorite character? Is it Jack Skellington? Is it... I tend to enjoy the Boogeyman. The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman. Nice, nice. You know, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that movie all the way through. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite monster. I really can't think of anything. I mean, I don't really watch a whole lot of like Halloween movies. So I don't know. Yeah. Like I haven't seen Halloween, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Are there any like horror movies that you enjoy? Like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, I mean, I definitely like The Conjuring a lot, but that's not Conjuring. Really okay. Conjuring's good. All right. As far as, like, favorite monster, like, ever, like, idea, the Wendigo's pretty good. Nice. That's thoroughly spooky. Fair enough. Pretty, fair enough. pretty spooky, yeah. Especially after, uh, what was it? What was that game? Um, uh, Until Dawn. Yes. Yeah, that's oh, man, that shows crazy. I've seen a lot of memes and things about the Skinwalker in recent months. Mm. That's always a fun one. Yeah, yeah but uh, the He Who was definitely pretty scary. He oh, Who, yeah, He Who, the Legend <laughs> of He Who. No, that's a you won't be able to research that one, kids. You just had to be there that. for it. You just had to be there. Uh, all right. So, well, today I'm going to be talking about probably one of my favorite in terms of the aesthetics not necessarily eh, it's also somewhat creepy if we think about it but one of my favorite monsters is the headless horseman mr pumpkin yes mr Pumpkinhead. so that's our topic for today or at least our initiating topic this 
Legend of Sleepy Hollow, written by Washington Irving back in 1820. You know, a uniquely American monster, we'd like to think. Set in upstate New York. I mean, you guys have both heard the story or probably even read the story. I don't know. I feel like I have at some point, but I don't remember <sighs> the details. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fairly short. I mean, it's just a short story. Basically, it's this guy named Ichabod Crane. You know, he's a skinny, you know, gangly school teacher who cannot impress the ladies. So he's got an icky bod? Is that what you're saying? Got an icky bod, dude? He's got an icky bod? Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Icky bod, yes. But uh, anyways, he's at a party, you know, as one does on Halloween. And he's trying to flirt with this love interest, you know, sexy lady of the town, because there's only one back in colonial times, you know, resources were scarce. And he is unable to woo her. And so he is distraught and he goes out into the night where he is set upon by the legend of Sleepy Hollow, the headless horseman. And according to the story, the horseman is a Hessian soldier, German soldier from the Revolutionary War, who was killed when an American cannonball decapitated him very unceremoniously at some unnamed battle in upstate New York. That's the way I want to go. Yes, I have a cannonball. I mean, I feel like... By decapitation by cannonball. Yeah, it's just badass. I mean... I mean, how else would you want to go? uh, Probably... Preferably just not, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die. Nah, I'm, I'm going to live forever, dude. Oh, okay. Well, they have this horseman still around, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Got to find your own way of eternity. Um, yeah, I guess that, that, that might be the answer. You know, how many people have been, you know, we just know the one, right? But, well, uh, that's what we're going to find out, I guess. Yeah. And so, anyways, uh, he, this soldier is allegedly buried at a local church in sleepy hollow and he now rides around on halloween night searching for his lost head and he's just very grumpy about it well is he just chilling out the rest of the year in his grave or so that's the thing uh in the story there isn't like a particular battle that is it's attached to it's just some unnamed battle but in more modern like analysis and stuff is like, well, he's only around on Halloween. So it must've been like this one particular battle on Halloween. But uh, let me see. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Ha-ha. Uh, I mean, it could, like also be, I mean it could also just be a story on Halloween, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But so like people think this guy exists. So not really. No. Um, and even in the story, uh, so let, let me finish the story. Uh, basically, yeah. Ichabod Crane, he sees this headless horseman, chases him down, and he tries to get to this particular bridge in town that's supposed to be near the church. And if he goes over that bridge, the headless horseman cannot get him. But then the story kind of ends with Ichabod Crane doesn't turn around the next morning. No one's really sure what happened. But then it kind of goes on to say 
he is probably just fine somewhere else. And then it was probably just one of the other suitors giving him a scare on Halloween night, kind of to chase him off away from the sexy lady. Uh, <laughs> That's one way to do it. You just disprove your own mythos in the same story. Yeah. Um, hold on. <laughs> I'm really trying to, ah, okay. So yeah, the, so like I was saying, they don't really say what battle it was, but thinking about it, they're saying that it was the battle of white plains, which is around that area, 1776 and sleepy hollow is an actual real place which heightened the horror of it at the time because everyone's like, oh my God, it's a monster set in America. Ah, that's how 1800s people reacted whenever they read the book. Yeah, I was about to say at the that level, exact same time. The level of horror kind of ah. interesting. <laughs> well, I just, I just mean like what would have absolutely terrified someone in the 1800s is just like, oh, it's a headless man riding a horse. <laughs> I, I mean like if, if you know what i'm saying like the level of horror is just it's, we've been so desensitized by it that true. now true true this man on horse is like eh, that's just tuesday and so uh that's the basics of the monster now if you're wanting to if you happen to find yourself toe-to-toe with this headless horse man he is known to sometimes have a jack-o'-lantern as a temporary replacement uh, and it is lit by hellfire. And because of this, if he is thoroughly angry at you, he will sometimes throw it at you. And it will like explode grenade style because magic or something. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and so how do you escape it? There is that one bridge in Sleepy Hollow, New York, near the church. Uh, if you get over it, supposedly fine. But this might have just been me. I don't know. But for some reason, I thought I've heard somewhere that covered bridges, it just can't go over covered bridges. But whenever I was looking through, I didn't really find any sort of evidence for that. I mean, it's just the one short story that this thing comes from. And since then, you know, they adapted it, but they haven't really changed that aspect of it, really. Hmm. But... I did find an Edgar Allan Poe short story from about 20 years later. It's pretty stupid story called never bet the devil your head. And the premise of the story is that basically this guy, he's at a covered bridge. He meets the devil and like, basically I bet you can't do a backflip and he does, but since it's covered bridge, he jumps up too high and knocks his head off. And haha, that must have been an intense backflip. Yeah, right. I wanted to see that. Um, yeah, someone but, sharpened it that morning. Yeah, sharpened the top of your your cover. local bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your, your local bridge. bridge sharpener. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so it takes place on a covered bridge, and there's something about you know, so maybe that had something to do with it, but. I mean, the reason why it's a stupid story, he uh, Poe wrote it stupidly because he disagreed with the notion that every story needed like a, a moral or, you know, a moral behind it. So very goth. And thing. so his moral was, don't bet the devil your head, kids. 
But also at the same time, wasn't he the one that wrote a story about a beating heart under his floorboards that kept him awake at night? I feel like that's a pretty big moral story. <laughs> like that, that's pretty deep. So I guess it's just, he was just not everyone has to have. Yeah, I guess so. You know. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other way to beat him that's been proposed is you give him his head back. But considering that uh, his head was shot off by a cannon over 250 years ago, about, uh, heads don't stay together whenever they're hit with a cannonball. Not quite. So there's that. I like to think it's like those, uh, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon where the cannonball actually replaces his head on top of his body. <laughs> like the head intact just flies off as if they shot by the cannonball and the cannonball is now his head. So it's intact. It's fine. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I had some fun doing research on this. Uh, I got to watch an episode of Scooby-Doo, like the original 1960s version. Oh, hell yeah. My jam. And like their first season, they run into the headless horse person. <laughs> but what struck me the most in that, the most astounding was uh, the gang, right? You know, you have Velma, Daphne, Shaggy, Scooby, Fred, right? That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's them. There's one more. There's one more. Uh, what is the name of Scooby's relative? Oh, isn't it Scrappy? Is it the little baby dog? Is it Scrappy-Doo? Yes, Scrappy-Doo like does nephew, exist. Nephew something? Scrappy-Doo does exist. Scrappy-Doo is not in this episode. Scooby has another relative. Scooby has another relative. Scooby has another relative who looks almost exactly like him, except for the fact that he is a gray Great Dane. Oh, I don't. I still don't know his name. You're gonna feel real dumb whenever I tell you this. Oh no! His name is Scooby Dumb. Is he dumb? He is a. Uh, he actually talks more effectively than Scooby Doo. Uh, I'm showing Brian a picture of him right now. Oh yes, that's. He's got the buck teeth that and the cross eyes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. He's he's buck tooth cross eyed, and he is gray, and he has a red collar and a red hat. Other than that, he's just Scooby. Interesting. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Hmm. Um. But yeah, he is only in like six episodes of the entire original series. And they are unclear whether he is Scooby's cousin or Scooby's brother. They say both. But that just, I, you know, watch the episode and this guy is just there with them. And he's just chilling. I guess just not a fan favorite. They just kicked him out. I guess. Justice for Scooby Dumb. That's what I say. Bring him back. Put him in the next live action Scooby-Doo. So yeah, that's, you know, basic Headless Horseman. But as I started looking into it more, seeing like how, how it's been adapted and such, I discovered that there was a Headless Horseman story set in Texas. Of course there was. Written in 1866. Oh. So pretty early on. 
Was Texas a state by that point? Yes, it was. And for those who don't know, we are from Texas. Yes, I mean, we are from Texas. But yeah, 1866, so Texas had been a state. This was after the Civil War. Um, Is that what I'm saying? No, I'm a real Texan. Yeah, so. re- real Texan. But yeah, so the novel is called The Headless Horseman. It was written by Maine Reed. And it's a Western about a family. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's a Western. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Western about a family that moves to Texas. And it revolves around a series of like love triangles. Classic. Like the main character is Louise Poindexter who falls in love with a Mustanger or just cowboy named Maurice Gerald. Oh, fall for a man named Gerald. Um, So yeah, but of course this cowboy isn't good enough for her. And uh, so yeah, there's other people interested in her that the family likes more, but whatever. Well, Louise brother turns up missing. And his horse is found covered in blood. Gerald is obviously suspected of this heinous crime because the two had beef. And there was a horse involved. Yes. <laughs> um, but they go out looking for him and they discover a headless horseman wandering the property. Super spooky. And so, but Gerald is still missing. So they're trying to hunt him down, and drama ensues. But uh, the truth is uncovered eventually when a very convoluted plot <laughs> happens. Okay. So Gerald and the brother had beef, but they settled everything and was like, you can be with my sister. And for some reason, they swapped clothes to show like they're good. Okay. All right. Um, Fair enough. And then they go off on their separate ways. But of course, it's at night. Um, And so that night, Luis's cousin, who was also interested in Luis and had beef with Gerald. You? First of all, you? Yeah, 1860s. You know, I can love my cousin if I wanna. (laughs) Um, He thinks, since they've swapped clothes, that the brother is now Gerald. That's not how that works. You can wear different clothes. It's it's dark. He's wearing different clothes. How would you know? Yeah, how would you even know if it's dark? It's story not bad that dark, I guess. Wear. He's wearing a cowboy hat that yeah. shades his face. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, anyways, this cousin murders the person he thinks is Gerald. But it's really his cousin. It's really his cousin. Oh. And uh, decapitates him. As part of the murdering process, I guess. Um, it happens. The things you do for love, man. Right. And so then Gerald, who is in the, the brother's clothes, perfectly fine, gets out the next day and uh, finds the dead body. And so he takes his horse and saddles up the corpse to take it back to the family. The dead man's horse? He so the dead man's horse didn't want to carry a corpse for some reason. Well, I wouldn't either. And so he puts 
the corpse on Gerald's horse. Okay. Okay. Gerald rides the friend's ho- the brother's horse. So that not only have they swapped clothes, they've now swapped horses. Oh, okay. And so in the process of taking the body to the family, the horse gets spooked and he hits his head on a tree branch whenever it like bolts off, which busts his head open. So he bleeds all over the horse, the brother's horse now, and falls off unconscious in the middle of the woods. So now you have the brother's horse covered in blood that goes back to the property. And then the headless horseman is the brother's dead body sitting on a horse, just wandering around the property. That's not how you put a dead body on a horse. You like strapped him in fully, sat him on. Yeah. Yeah, man. I played enough Red Dead Redemption. You just toss those people on the back. <laughs> yeah. What about so the revenant? Or that. But yeah, very convoluted way, I think, to tie up all these loose ends. <laughs> but this all comes out in like this dramatic courtroom scene where everything gets found out. And then uh, the cousin tries to shoot Gerald, but he like has a bulletproof something or whatever. They get into a shoot fight. He anyways, Gerald kills the cousin and lives happily ever with Luis. And, uh, oh, also he's rich, so it's perfectly fine to marry her. That's good. So what happened to the brother sitting on a horse? Is he just, is that horse just wandering the... I, I think they finally track him down, but... Okay. It's just a wild horse out there with the body strapped to it? Yeah. So yeah, very convoluted story, I think. It's also uh, from the 1860s, and some of the language is... Uh, very disgusting into our modern sensibilities Hmm. but yeah uh, i read a little bit of it and then i just decided i was not going to get through it (laughs) so i spark notes the rest of it but yeah (laughs) spark no that's funny uh but reed main reed the author he claimed to have gotten inspiration from this character of a headless horseman uh from a story that he heard a few Texas Rangers tell uh, about these Rangers had killed a Mexican horse thief. And as a warning, they strapped the corpse up to a saddle, like a person decapitated him and then suddenly loose on a wild Mustang to where it just roamed the countryside. Oh yes. Um, And so actually you can go and look back in newspapers from the time and there are reports of a headless horseman wandering around in South Texas. So was the original 1820s story not based on anything? And this one, two separate accounts mm-hmm. within 40 years. Of yeah. A headless horseman. Yeah. You know, to be fair, Texans aren't like, you know, I mean, they're, they're not the smartest. <laughs> But, I mean, well, I don't even just know that, like decapitate a guy and throw him on a horse. I mean, that, that's that's just well, no, like it's, a ca- it's a cautionary tale. Don't steal a horse, so you end up like this dude. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I would get the message. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, racial terrorism. You know, yes, he was a Mexican, but yeah, uh, this story uh, apparently, for some strange reason, was very popular over in Soviet Russia. 
What? It, it was so popular, in fact, that in 1972, the Soviet film industry decided for the first ever Russian Western, they would do this book. Really? And it was a huge box office success for Soviet standards. When are we, when are we having this watch party? (laughs) Can we find this movie? Uh, I'm sure you could somewhere. Um, But uh, it sold almost 52 million tickets which makes it the 33rd highest attended film in the Soviet Union. No way. Wow. <laughs> what the hell? But, so yeah, there's that. And apparently it had like the biggest stars from the Russian cinematic scene in it from the time. Huh. Uh, like Ludmila Savoyeva. Of course you know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Couldn't tell you that was a woman's name, but okay. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> she was most famous for her 1966-77 edition of War and Peace, which is one of the most epic films ever made with a eight-hour runtime. Oh. And it was the most expensive film ever made by the Soviets. Won the 1969 Oscar for Best Foreign Film. That Ludmila Salvoyeva. <laughs> how how could you not know her and you the listener how could you not i'm ashamed of you not really i will say kelvin just looked pointedly at the mic for that one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was kind of interesting huh. so yeah you asked like what were they inspired by? They both kind of came up with these stories, you know, right around the same time. But people have been telling tales of headless horse people for centuries because it's a pretty common image to see a person on a horse. And it's very easy to make that image spooky by removing their head. You know, I mean, that's something I've noticed is definitely like there's folk tales and other stories that are passed around for a long time before they're written written down so i guess it's not too too crazy of an idea that they happen within 40 years of each other these two major publications yeah so you know these couple have been a little bland right they're just oh, oh they're spooky for back in the day right <clears throat> yeah we're immune to horror now well in my research uh i've discovered one of the earlier inspirations over in europe of a headless horse person and uh this guy is thoroughly terrifying, even for our modern sensibilities, I would hope. Oh, I'm ready for this one. It is a Irish fairy. A fairy, you know, you think, oh, little flying around little itty bitty sparkly thing, right? The one, the ones that ride the corgis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is a fairy must be a very broad term that our American sensibilities are not familiar with. Because let me introduce you to the Dullahan. The Dullahan is a headless horseman riding a black horse. Uh, he carries his head under his arm, and he uses a human spine for a whip. Ooh. And he rides around, and he will only stop if someone is about to die. And whenever he stops, the Dullahan will call out the name of the person who will then drop dead. So he doesn't even use the whip. 
Well, that's <laughs> well. Uh, hold on a second. There's more. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, oh, he does use the whip. Nothing can get in their way. He just goes full sprint. Nothing can stop him. If you lock a gate in front of him, it will unlock itself and open it whenever they get close. The horse breathes fire, of Mm, course. Yes. Sometimes (laughs) the horse itself is also headless. So you have the headless horse. Huh. The one thing that has seemed to sort of stop them or get in their way is gold, you know, because it's like a pure metal sort of deal. Werewolves don't like silver. Yeah, that seems to be a theme. Dullahan don't like gold. And it just takes even the smallest amount for them to see, for them to just turn and go the opposite direction. This won't stop them for long. They'll eventually come back. But, you know, if you want to buy yourself some time. So what do they use the whip for? Well, if you try and watch the Dullahan, because he's not a danger to you unless he says your name. But if you are in your house and you see him coming by and you try to watch him, if you look at him for too long, he gets upset and uh, he will either throw a bucket of blood in your face or he will whip your eyes out with the human spine. Yeah. You got pretty Uh, accurate with that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Sometimes... He drives a wagon that is made out of human skin and uh, and bones. And, of course, the friction of those wheels on the wagon sets stuff on fire as it drives by. Of course. So, yeah. Uh, if it's your name, that he's if he's coming for you, even though his head's cut off, it's still with him. And he can raise it up and see like much farther than a normal human. He can see where you are, but you have to hear his, him call your name for you to drop dead. So like, if you cover your ears, you might be fine, but he'll come back eventually because he's, you know, an agent of death. He's not just going to give up. What if you're deaf? That night, I guess deaf people are immune. You ever seen a deaf person, a deaf dead person? <laughs> that's what i thought that is what i thought oh my god yeah i i think you solved it there but may, maybe they do sign language <laughs> <laughs> he just drops the head <laughs> you just close close your eyes uh, a lip read so yeah but uh yeah much more intense of a creature so you want to go toe-to-toe with any of these you think we could take them I think the one that can't cross a bridge is fine. Like you can't cross a freaking bridge. Yeah, he's got afraid. He's afraid of bridges. Well, maybe we know the one bridge for certain. Oh, maybe sorry. more, but yeah, a one bridge. So if you find him in the middle of like Kansas, you got to run to that bridge in New York. Or is he only in New York? Is he only in Sleepy Hollow? I think he's only in Sleepy Hollow because he only shows up around Halloween. Oh yeah, then just don't be in Sleepy Hollow in Halloween. You're fine. I guess so. Yeah, and like the skin wagon one terrifies me. The Dullahan, yeah. What do we? I guess you just have gold coins on you. I just wear a gold necklace or something. Just gold tooth, anything that's on you at all times. The power of Christ compels you, or something. I don't know. 
the golden crucifix. I see, but he doesn't have to get too close. He just has to get close enough to yell your name. So make yourself deaf. Oh, yes. And have gold on you. And uh, don't look at him too long. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. So where does he get the bucket from? That's in his other arm. Don't ask questions. He just has buckets. It's in his it's in his skin wagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like an ice cream truck, but for buckets of blood. Yes. Cotton. Oh. <laughs> it's just it's just like a it's just like a snow cone stand where you get those little like nozzles on the side. It's like <laughs> only blood. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ugh. So you just, if you stare at him long enough, he just walks to the side with the bucket and just like turns on the tap. Like, hold on a second. Yeah, hold on a second. <laughs> Stay Give there. We put down the spine. One order of blood coming right up. Oof. You think they get along with vampires though? Well, if you're wasting that much blood, I feel like you'd anger them. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. I feel well, like he, vampires, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like he'd constantly have to get more blood because he'd be getting raided by the vampires. Yeah. So, I don't think they'd be getting along. They got beef? I think they got beef. They the got beef, yeah. Unrelenting stare at him until he, until he threw blood in their face, and then he'd be like, wait, they're into this, so. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and he can't say their name because aren't they immortal or something? Yeah, basically. You got a wooden. You got to kill him with a wooden stake, but all he has is this human spine. Human spine. No, you got to have silver. I think they're formidable. I thought it's just a wooden stake. Vampires. No, I, I. I mean, pure metals tend to do pretty well against undead things. I guess that's in, true. Well, at least in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer, which is like a documentary. Oh. Well, oh um, yeah, that, the, yeah, they, they use silver, so. Okay, maybe. Um, I'm sure that, that's the that's the that's the cure. Okay. Okay. Damn. All right. Oh. <laughs> so Abraham Lincoln could definitely take on any of these fools. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's the trump card. You just have Abraham Lincoln with you on all times. Yeah, just summon that bastard. I think it's more of Abraham Lincoln the vampire. Mm. would be the best on your side. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So he's a vampire slayer, but at the same time, at some point, he's got to turn into a vampire. He, you know, I mean, how else once. are you going to keep killing vampires? Yeah. You slip up once, or you just got to keep killing vampires without becoming one. So yeah, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, the vampire. <laughs> There's your trump card. Boom. That's how we do it. So Pretty good? Yeah. Well... So does the horse have any like special abilities? Like, well, besides the breathing fire, I guess that's pretty. Well, good. how does it breathe fire? It doesn't have a head. Uh, it, it's kind of a mixed <laughs> bag. Yeah, it's one the, or the other. Oh, okay, okay. It shoots up the stump. Yeah, one or the other. Um, it like kicks. It kicks. It shits, and then it kicks its shit at you. Oof! Oh, that's scary. Damn. Yeah, but the, but the shits on fire. Ah, of course. <laughs> yes, it has to be. This <laughs> is a really bad Halloween prank. Some dude gets a baggie on his door on fire. And it's like, no, oh, it was a horse. It 
<laughs> God damn it, the doll hands are back again, letting no horses go around. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, that's a Halloween episode. I wanted to talk about some spooky monsters. Yes. I would like to actually revise my favorite monster and say it's actually Frankenstein's monster. Uh-huh. Or actually, no, I... I will say everyone says Frankenstein is not the monster. It's Frankenstein's monster. But I think Frankenstein is, is the, the monster, monster of that story. Yes. I will say. That was a good book. That was such a good book. We're talking about classic monsters. I can't read. Ah. Mm. Well, Frankenstein is the monster is the moral of the story. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> See ya. Listener, go out there and read Frankenstein if you haven't already. It's a good book. But Wait, bro. Bro. There's a fucking uh, D&D 5e wiki page uh, where you can, like, it has all the, like, <clears throat> rules of uh, being a Dullahan. You can be, oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. They've adapted that? Yeah. That's awesome. So, somebody adapted it, and the art is actually really, really good. Hmm. It's like a, I'll send it to you guys after the deal, but yeah. All right. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. It's pretty good art. Nice. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. So I'll go ahead and close this out. If you liked what you heard, uh, please tell your friends about us. We're always glad to have you here. Uh, our music is by Mountaineer. You can find uh, more of their stuff on upbeat.io. Uh, As always, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on occupied land that rightfully belongs to the Kiowa, Comanche, Tonkwa, and other indigenous peoples. If you have any questions, suggestions, or future episodes, or you just want to say hi, you can reach us at History Spelunkers. That's history, S-P-E-L-U-N-K-E-R-S at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for coming down the rabbit hole with us. Happy Halloween, and until next time, bye-bye. See ya. Later.